Welcome everyone to today's daily directional. These are navigational messages that help keep us pointed in the right direction. I'm Pastor Bethany, and I'm a learner, listener, and noticer of God. This podcast is a part of the Storytellers Collective. You can find us online at www.storytellerscollective.org. Happy Monday, everyone. Today we are jumping into James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10, and I will be reading these in the English Standard Version. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. There's so much in this little pocket of scripture, and perhaps the first part that thrills me is James's statement, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. What a promise. Do you believe it? Have you experienced this? James throws it out just after reminding us to resist the devil. So it feels like a beautifully offensive move to me. This dear little statement is one that I've lived into since being a teen. And I think it is foundational to my belief that if we remain facing Jesus, pointed in the right direction, we'll continue walking out lives of faithfulness. Turning to God sometimes takes everything we have. But the moment in the moment of submission and drawing close... God always responds. He closes whatever gap there's been and he draws us into himself. And in my experience, this is what it looks like and feels like to be God's friend. To know that we have access like this is so, so precious. So what do you do to draw yourself close to God? Now, I wish this was truly a conversation and I could hear your responses because this is a place where we can really learn from one another. Does singing to the Lord draw you into his arms or praying? What about taking a hike and considering all the worlds God's hands have made? Is it reading scripture or journaling, wrapping up in a warm blanket with your favorite hot beverage, closing your eyes and imagining a conversation between yourself and your creator? Is it doing art or somehow working hard with your hands? Is it participating in a worship service or fixing a motor? Do you draw near most easily in a particular place or while doing a particular activity? Now, I think answering all of these kinds of questions is important because drawing near takes practice. I think of Brother Lawrence again, and I remember that his ability to draw close to God didn't hinge on what he was doing. He learned that turning towards God's affections was a posture of his mind, heart, and soul. And he found that he could draw close and stay close while he was scrubbing pots and pans in the monastery kitchen, or while he was scrubbing dirty floors, while he was praying, or when he was heading out on assigned work tasks within the city. Even things he didn't like to do could be made better and more pleasant when recognizing that God was there with him. 
So I think the big lesson from Brother Lawrence today for me is that practice makes drawing closer easier and the more we can practice, the better it will be. So I pray that we each find some time today to turn our hearts and our affections upon Jesus. And I pray that every day we feel as though we're moving closer and closer to an ever-present and ever-aware state of being with him. Okay, the next section of this passage is a little tougher. (laughs) It says, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Purity is a subject that we rarely talk about in today's church. It seems very relegated to a specific definition regarding abstaining from sexual relations before marriage, and then otherwise it seems avoided. The trouble is, purity is a necessary part of worship. It's an essential piece of relationship with God that begins all the way back in the Old Testament and the very beginnings of the Hebrew people, learning to become God's people. In order to live in right relationship with God, in order to dwell with him at all times and in all places, which has always been God's desire, by the way, we must be pure. For nothing that is impure may come close to a holy God. So James's words are really important ones. Cleanse yourselves. Be purified. Stop being double-minded. But how do we do this? I think the first step is taking the time to stop and recognize anything in our lives that is less than holy, less than worthy, less than God's best for us. We have to name anything that is leaving us blemished or heavy. This could be obvious sins like lying, cheating, or using foul language. It could be sexual issues or laziness or greed. It could be anger or cowardice. Or it could even be that seemingly innocent Netflix series you keep watching, even though you have the nagging suspicion that God is saying, this one isn't for you. It could be something you know you're supposed to do or to take care of that you keep avoiding. See, sometimes our sins are not things that we do, but things that we leave undone. Sin is anything that misses the mark of perfection, righteousness, and holiness, So we must stop, draw near to Jesus and ask, what is hindering our relationship? What am I participating in that is less than healthy for me? Goodness, maybe it's eating that next bag of potato chips or smoking that next cigarette, not getting up and going for a walk, or continuing to avoid a particular conversation you really need to have with your partner. So Once we've identified places where we miss the mark of God's holiness and righteousness, anything that draws us away from God rather than closer to him, actually, then we simply need to lean into the truth of God's mercy. Remember, James tells us mercy triumphs over judgment. So we can trust God's mercy. And then we pray, Jesus, forgive me for where I've fallen short. Now, That's a very broad statement, and it's okay to pray it like that. Jesus, forgive me for where I've fallen short. But it is really powerful to be able to name the specific places and ways. Now, I know there's plenty about this that is really uncomfortable. Making mistakes, making wrong choices, and hurting God's heart is painful. We don't like to be wrong, and we don't like to feel shame. But 
I do also want to remind you that shame isn't Jesus' way. Our God is a God of new beginnings, of steadfast love that never ceases, and mercies that never come to an end. He is one who so desperately wants to be near to you that he sacrificed himself to make it possible. So after admitting our wrongs, we ask for mercy. And then the final step is we have to accept God's forgiveness. So no matter how many times you've failed, God's response when you draw close, confess your shortcomings, say you're sorry, and ask for forgiveness is always yes. It is always to wrap you in his strong arms of love and to turn your humility to glory. So may you be purified today, my friends, and walk in the certainty of your forgiveness. May you know that you have clean hands and pure hearts, that you are those who are allowed to climb God's holy hill and to inquire directly in his temple. Today we'll end with this epic psalm that depicts King David's journey through guilt after adultery and murder back into right relationship with the God of his heart. This is Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, God, according to your faithful love. Wipe away my wrongdoings according to your great compassion. Wash me completely clean of my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Because I know my wrongdoings, my sin is always right in front of me. I've sinned against you, you alone. I've committed evil in your sight. That's why you're justified when you render your verdict, completely correct when you issue your judgment. Yes, I was born in guilt and sin from the moment my mother conceived me. And yes, you want truth in the most hidden places. You teach me wisdom in the most secret spaces. Purify me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and celebration again. Let the bones you crushed rejoice once more. Hide your face from my sins. Wipe away all my guilty deeds. Create a clean heart for me, God. Put a new faithful spirit deep inside me. Please don't throw me out of your presence. Please don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Return the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach wrongdoers your ways and sinners will come back to you. Deliver me from violence, God, God of my salvation, so that my tongue can sing of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will proclaim your praise. You don't want sacrifices. If I gave an entirely burned offering, you wouldn't be pleased. A broken spirit is my sacrifice, God. You won't despise a heart, God, that is broken and crushed. Do good things for Zion by your favor. Rebuild Jerusalem's walls. Then you will again want sacrifices of righteousness, entirely burned offerings and complete offerings. Then bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. Mm -hmm. 